This is The Premise, and I'm your host, Jennifer. Chad Thompson. De- no, Chad I, Thompson's the no, host. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Thompson. And I'm Chad Thompson, the host. <laughs> Today is kind of special. Chad and I are talking with our very talented and brilliant friend, Susan Blackwell. And I'll be honest, I do not have enough time to include all of the cool shit that you do, Susan, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to try. Let's see how you do. Let's see. Susan Blackwell is a Broadway TV and film actor. In fact, little side note here. There's this thing that happens in our living room every once in a while where Chad and I will be watching television or a movie comes on and we're like, oh my God, oh shit, that's Susan. And then we do this like rewind thing and then we watch you again, Susan. I feel like and that's just, like a long game prank I'm pulling on you. Guys, <laughs> right? I'm like, like, we I'm like just it when you to sneak yeah. up on you in your living room and just show up unannounced. Your, yes. Totally. yes. Yes. We like it. We like that. It's cool. Susan Blackwell is also a writer, a storyteller. She has been the host of Side by Side with Susan Blackwell for more than a decade. And oh. is it true you're filming a new a new season? It's happening right now. I cannot nice. believe how long I've been doing that. It's on Broadway.com. It's this chat show on Broadway.com. It is the silliest bag it is so fun. of monkeys. And I've been doing it for like 11 years now. 11 I cannot years. believe anybody has employed me for 11 years straight. <laughs> I like your hair. Thanks, Broadway.com. Yeah, I like, like really how is, your hair It's a travelogue through my totally. hairdos, isn't it? Yeah. We, yeah, started, as a, we mm-hmm. started as a, like a redhead into brunette. I mean, and then the been? short. Yeah, it's been yes. awesome. It's, uh, yes, anyway, yeah. And for our listeners, I have to say, Susan has interviewed the likes of Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton and Daniel Radcliffe. In fact, I'm pretty sure you made Daniel Radcliffe the star of Harry Potter, sort your dirty laundry, and clean your toilet bowl. That is true. This lady don't mess around, folks. Nope. And of course... Yes. I was just going to say, I, I, it, it is a little bit like I made a joke in the very first episode of Side by Side. I don't know that it's aged well, but <laughs> I said, this, this is like make a wish without the pesky terminal illness. And it Ooh, really Jesus. is. I don't know if that's still, I don't even, I, you may have to cut that, but it really is. It's I think you like, may just be canceled. You're, I know. I know. <laughs> no, it's true though. Like you get it to talk is. to all these amazing people and you get to make fun of them. I just get to have a friend date with with and kind of put them in these in these dream scenarios like having Daniel Radcliffe sort my laundry or yeah. going on a right. on a carriage ride with Jonathan Groff or playing video games with Lynn Manuel Miranda it's the best job it's the best <laughs> and you do it so well oh but, well, thank you but there's more folks Susan Blackwell is the founder of Susan Blackwell and Company, a collective of teaching artists. Susan is a creative coach, an educator, a speaker, a moderator, and she is the host of the Spark File podcast with Laura Camion. Susan Blackwell, welcome to the premise. Bienvenidos. I'm so, so, so happy to be here. That was a beautiful introduction. I'm used to being on the other side of the introduction equation, and you did a great job. Well, thank you. I, I don't know if I included everything, but we do actually it's, have to get to enough. the conversation part of this. Let's yes. <laughs> so, Pridefulness is a sin. Let's rock. Number one, number one, how many celebrities have you licked? And, and so our listeners are clear here. I don't mean licked as in defeated, literally licked <laughs> with your tongue. 
Um, I don't know. I at some point I lost count. I used to uh, for the uninitiated. I used to do this thing, <laughs> which I don't do anymore. Partially because no, I, noticed I was just that. I sort of I outgrew it. I just sort of outgrew it and kind of lost interest. And partially, and I was like, oh, just in time because I don't think we live in a culture anymore that would permit. It, mm. me to like just lean over and lick people. But it all started because I was at an event and I was interviewing a Broadway star named Sutton Foster. And she has this like beautiful peaches and cream skin. She doesn't wear makeup unless she's working. And she was kind of giving me this hard, sassy, just teasing me while I was <laughs> conducting the interview. And um, at the conclusion of the interview, as as peace offering, she um, leaned over and she kissed my cheek. And as as my face was turning towards hers, I was I just had this impulse rise up in me, and I was like, "Are you going to lick her face?" I am, and I just licked the side of her face. And it become this. It became sort of a tradition that if you were a guest on Side by Side by Susan Blackwell, you would you get knew your it was going to happen, right? Yep. And and um and. Uh, and then at some point I was just like, curl up Susan. And I, and I just put it to bed, but, mm. um, yeah, I don't think it would fly anymore either. <laughs> we learn and we grow when we know better, we do better. It was, but it was a really, really awesome thing while it lasted. In the comedy business, for me, we call, we call that a runner. That's a, a runner yeah. joke. It just <laughs> lasted for years and years and years. I don't even know if that's a joke. It's just ridiculous and gross, but I enjoyed it <laughs> while it lasted. <laughs> I like the word impulse. You know, do you have part, impulse control? Uh, no, but I do try as a creative person. I do try to. Um, for a long time after I stopped licking people, people were like, "Why did you stop?" I would get at, at during when I was doing talkbacks or being interviewed. I would people would be so bummed that I. Stopped. Am I not lickable? <clears throat> Why didn't you lick me? Yeah, and strangers would come up to me and say, "Would you?" Oh. That was like the number one question I got asked by strangers was, "Will you lick my face?" And I was like, "Nee, hell no, hell no." But um, but it it really did start as sort of like an improvisatory kind of a comic impulse. And then when it's sort of, I was like, this is so played out. I, that's when I was like, my impulse is to not do this anymore. Mm. But I really do as a, a person who trades and self-expression, I, I feel like following those creative impulses is super important. Even when it's something as dumb as turning to somebody and licking their face. Yeah, I like that. I think that's true. You know, you fall. I think yeah. that's what makes, you know, improv so powerful, right? It's it, it, Whatever you got to do to rationalize it. it. Well, I was like, boy, I'm I, this. I'm giving this a really deep tone, aren't I? I'm making this seem like mm, really there, intellectual yeah. and erudite. But really, there's something to it. There is something about um, as a creative person, as long as you're not harming yourself or somebody else about following that impulse Mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. like very much and I strive mm -hmm. for in my life and in my work. I like it. I like it. You know, I wanted to ask you, this is a silly question. What does a perfect day look like for you? I think that's a great question. I love that question. Um, I think that's a super interesting question to ask, uh, you know, if you're an electrician to ask another electrician or if you're a creative person to ask another creative person. I like knowing stuff like that. But um, something that I have discovered about myself is that a perfect day, but I mean, besides just like a day off, 
like that right, would probably right. be the ideal. But I'm talking about maybe you're talking about like a a work day, like a yeah, like a perfect creative day where you're like, yeah, Dang, perfect I really creative killed day. it today. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you. I'm sitting here. I have my um, notebook next to me, and I'm actually gonna refer to it while I talk to you because it kind of sums it up for me. I keep in my uh, journal, which I engage with every morning to sort of set the structure of my day. I have. Th- I sound like a nerd. I have 13 (laughs) points that I try to touch each day. There are 13 things that I try. Yep. I figured out like these are sort of the pillars of, so that if I ever feel off or I'm feeling Mm. like, I can just go back and look and be like, now what has been off here? And I can be like, oh, well, you haven't moved. Like you really haven't like got your heart rate up in about four days that might be something. But there are literally 13 things that I try to um, to touch in a day. And so a day for me has a bit of diversity in it so that I can engage in, a, in different activities that sort of engage with, with each of those points. So that could be like having some sort of meaningful interaction with my husband, Nathan, who we all know and love. Shout out to Nathan. Shout out to you, Nathan. He's the best, Nathan. But also, um, my nutrition, uh, movement. Did I drink enough water? Did I do my meditation? Did I create something? Hmm. So uh, that and that can come in whatever forms it comes. It comes in. But did I create something? Did I? I'm an introvert, so something I have to keep an eye on is: Did I have meaningful engagement with one of my? with somebody, with a, with a friend, with a student? Did I have meaningful engagement? And I call that relationships. Did I develop some new business? Did I, did I touch and check on my finances? Did I clean or organize something? Did I learn something? Was I grateful for something? And the newest addition, um, am I attuned with where I am sort of in my menstrual cycle? Hmm. And I find that if I pay attention to those things, that usually it'll kind of... P.S. I am imperfect and I'm never get all of, I never check all the boxes in a single day. But I find that if I have some balance around those things, that it can look differently each day, but it will add up to something that by the time my head hits the pillow at night, I'm like, that was a good day. That felt good and I feel good. I love that. You know, what's funny is when I was asking the question in my mind, and this goes to show that I need more balance in my life. I was thinking about like all of the things you would accomplish. And you instead take the perspective of how will I remain balanced? And that's so important Yeah, Uh, to be fulfilled and creative and to actually move forward with with a, a positive balance. That's so awesome. Well, I'm trying, I, I mean, please, I am a hard striving workaholic and it's something I've really, you know, can be very like goal oriented and very like, what is the outcome? What is the product oriented? And mm-hmm. I just noticed that it doesn't always, for me, add up to satisfaction and happiness. Um so for me, keeping an eye on a gentle eye, like with with much room for interpretation and compassion, like keeping a gentle eye on those kind of like those pillars feels mm-hmm. better to me. And I feel more, I, I feel a, d- a deeper sense of satisfaction about how my day went than if I like 
auditioned for something and booked it or didn't book it. And that makes me so sad. It's sort of like, well, did you do your very, like if it's in the creative creativity realm and you did an audition for something and you did your very best and you tried to develop a little piece of business around that and then you didn't get it, I can still rest easy with the satisfaction of knowing that I checked that box in that realm of creativity or business development instead of being mean to myself because I didn't book. Yeah, so yeah. important. Really, really good advice for our creatives out there. Or I just heard... so like type A neurotic. I'm not sure right. which. <laughs> One or the other. I think they come hand in hand, but that's a whole other topic. I, I also heard that you used to be a corporate lady in a fancy pants suit. Can that's you a, comment? That's true. Sure. Yeah. So for for I, for decades, I lived in New York City. And when I, for, I moved to New York to become an actor, and I started working pretty quickly. I would say within three weeks of arriving in New York, I booked an off-Broadway show and I started working pretty quickly, but it wasn't enough yet to pay the bills. So I also started as a temp receptionist and I, I, my creative life continued to grow and evolve and I made strides in that area. But I am not a bohemian. Like I'm somebody who really responds to st daily structure, as you can see by my 13-point checklist, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um, uh, financial solvency. And uh, you know, I'm just not. I'm not a bohemian couch surfer. And I and I, there was something about that corporate world that I actually was really good at. I really excelled at um, just organization and management and stuff like that. So simultaneous parallel to the all the creative work that I've done, all the things that you said in that introduction, being a Broadway film and television actor and hosting Side by Side by Susan Blackwell and making all of this stuff and generating all this creativity. During the day, I was also working um, in corporate and management for about 20 years. Oh, and wow. Would, that, yeah. And a day to answer, to take a time machine back in time and answer the question you just asked me, a day in that life looked like me, you know, getting up really early to exercise before work, getting to work, mm -hmm. working all like fancy pantsuit, working all day. And then at a predetermined time, setting my pencil down, turning off my computer and going to a rehearsal or going to a Broadway theater and taking a nap, eating a little something, warming up and doing a show and or using all my vacation days to film episodes of Law and Order. Like it was, it was um, a very weird uh, balancing act. And for a long time, I kept church and state separate so that only the people who had to know knew that I mm. had this dual life happening. Mm. And then slowly over time, I started to kind of come out and come clean. And it actually, that was a, I don't know. I don't know why I felt it was so important to keep, I, I think honestly, so that my corporate people, the, those employers wouldn't think I was just like a flaky flakester, right, like a flaky right. artist. Yeah. And that my uh, creative, the people in that creative world wouldn't think I, that I was just like one foot in and one foot out and kind of- A corporate you know, shill, you mean? Yes. <laughs> the man. They wouldn't think yeah. I was the man. But, you were um, serious, yeah. Yeah. But then I started to like tell tell telling myself and I will I will never forget this one day I was in um a corporate office where I was working and 
a show that we were doing off Broadway was reviewed in this sort of morning paper that they handed out to commuters that got on the subway. I think it's oh. called AM New York. Uh-huh. And this this person that I managed walked up to me and opened it up to a full page color picture of me wow. in the show. And I was so busted. <laughs> You've been and I was outed. Like, <laughs> and I resigned from the job. <laughs> I le- actually left the job. Um, really? But yeah, I did. I was just like, this it's uh, this is these worlds have crossed these yeah the streams i choose you yeah yeah but i did i started talking about uh, and we did my friends and i made this broadway musical called title of show which is sort of this very culty musical that chronicles its own creation and in it Mm -hmm. i play a character based on myself and i talked about very frankly about what it was like to um have a day job at an office that was sort of sucking my soul out of mm-hmm. my butthole. And mm-hmm. um, so it kind of made me a little bit of a, I don't know, there's a lot of people that have to do that, that have a dream of something that they want to pursue and have to, um, you know, hold down some sort of job that they may not necessarily 100% love. And so it really, I think for a lot of people, it touched that thing in them and gave them hope about what was possible. And I was happy to be the person to provide that hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think it's interesting now that, you know, Susan Blackwell and company, you offer services to corporate leaders where they can take creativity yeah. and thereby be a better leader. So yeah. it's like your worlds have merged. It, it's really fun too, because I, because I have walked the corporate halls and for, I mean, just for so long, I can really talk that talk and I I have real credibility because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to, um, I just know what it's like to sit in those chairs and sit in those boardrooms. And so I'm so happy. I'm happy that I just get to be like fun aunt Susan who visits and drops some like creativity knowledge bombs and some like team building skills and communication skills. And then I'm like, peace. And I I'm can out. just like do the moonwalk <laughs> out the door. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it is, um, you know, I, I, there were so many things about working in that corporate environment that I really excelled at and I really was proud of and I really loved. And um, while I don't want to be there every day now, I'm so happy to get to um, visit and use all that life experience. I really do believe nothing is for naught. So to be able to use all that life experience and kind of go in and hopefully for those, the places where I, my clients that I've worked with make their work lives and their work days better with sure. the things that I can share with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many times a day do you unironically use the word synergy? I, Chad, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I was coaching a, a creativity client yesterday and I was like, I'm going to throw up in both of our mouths, but I have to say, <laughs> I think that you're missing some synergistic opportunities here. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> but it was the right word. It was the right word at the right time. Synergy. It's, it is. It's a good word. It exists for a reason. It I, exists for a reason. I, I get awfully offended when words that I like become so trope. And, and I'm like, I, I, I love that word. This I know. Is, I want my word back. We used to, at that same office where somebody came up to me and opened up that that AM New York with that picture of me, um, <laughs> I worked with these two 
awesome women. And we would keep a list. They started it and I just I just happily added to it of of corporate words that we were that that sent a chill down our spine. Mm. Um, you know, like clawback and just like a whole list of the synergy, things like that. Wait, what's clawback? That's like if you um, have paid for a service and then you're not satisfied, you don't feel like it. W- there was contractual obligations were met. It's trying to get back money, uh, mm. get that money back from somebody who already has your money. That's a dirty the old, word. The old clawback. Yeah, <laughs> just things like that. <laughs> corporate you know, speak. Corporate speak, right? <laughs> <Wah>. The evil. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of wonderful words, there's one of your workshops that I'd really like to take. It's called Die, Vampire, Die. Oh, what can yeah. I expect to take away from this workshop? Die, Vampire, Die, I first should, <laughs> should tell you, I think sometimes on social media, there are people that I think aren't maybe, they don't live in the United States, but they think that Die, Vampire, Die is some sort of literal, vampirically related something or other. But really, Die, Vampire, Die is a song that comes from this musical, My Friends and I. Title of show, Title of the show. Yeah, yeah. And, And the song is about identifying those things, those internal and external voices that prevent us from being free and creative and self-expressed. And if you're anything like me, usually you have like several different kinds of vampires that are at play at any given time, Uh, little ones and big ones. And, uh, but die vampire die is a workshop that I, I created with um, one of my best friends, Hunter Bell, who, who was the book writer for title of show. And it really is, uh, you know, we'll bring a group of people together or we'll go and we'll visit a institution or a, a corporate place and we'll we'll lead this workshop where people can identify what are those voices in their heads that stop them from being free and also teach them some skills around creativity and so if you were to take the die vampire die workshop you would get to sort of get quiet and tune into those things that Maybe those little stories you tell yourself that prevent you from being really free and really flowing creative, creatively, and then um, exercise some creativity and figure out ways to um, banish some of those some of those vampirical voices. These are your pygmy vampires and your air yeah. freshener vampires. Yes, yeah, though that's have right. you added to the list, or is it? I feel like I have. I do. I have my pygmy vampires. So for me, that is they're like little teeny vampires. You wouldn't if you just saw them, you would think that they look like gnats or little fruit flies. So they look really like innocuous. But if you Mm. plucked one out of, if you could magically like pluck one, they usually are circling my head. If you pluck one and put it under a magic microscope and look at it, you would see that actually has little vampire teeth and little vampire wings. And they say seemingly innocuous things like, um, you know, you went to state school or <laughs> your breath is weird. Your breath might be a little sketchy right now, which uh, that seems so innocuous, but why did you messages, wear that shirt? Little met. Yeah. Little messages like that. Like you went to state school. Like, are you sure you're qualified to be up here in front of these people talking? You went to state school and it's those little stories that we can tell ourselves that can stop us from being free. So for instance, if I have a little vampire in my ear saying, and I kind of always do, and it's mm. kind of there right now telling me that my breath is sketchy. 
That is <laughs> a vampire that I think it's audio, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is if you're somebody like me who wants to cross <laughs> cross reasonable physical social boundaries and lick somebody's face, if you right. listen to that vampire that's telling you your breath is sketchy, or you're if you're somebody like yeah. me who is a um I really love uh engaging with people. I really like I love teaching and I love connecting with people. And uh, if you think your breath smells bad and you're preoccupied by that, that can really set you at a distance, at an arm's length from people. And so I'm, I'm interested in doing whatever I need to do to banish little vampires like that and big ones so that I can be more free. Another mm-hmm. vampire I have that is like much more formidable is a vampire that I call the vampire of despair. And that's one that like, it will m- really like sit heavy on my chest at different times in my life. In my mind, I, I visualize it like a, like the Gollum from Lord of the Rings or a Dementor from Harry Potter or Nosferatu from the, from the black Love and white. Nosferatu. Yeah. Yes. I sort of picture something like that. That's sort of, sort of heavy, like it's carved out of stone and it's sitting on my chest and it kind of wants to suck my like creativity and my soul out of my mouth. And it says really, really, really mean things like really heavy, mean things. And, you know, as recently as I remember like, I mean, I have really worked through a lot of these vampires, but six months ago, I was teaching in front of this awesome group of students at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, and I was talking, describing these vampires, and I was unpacking the vampire of despair, and I realized in real time in front of this like group of 50 awesome students that I was kind of experiencing it, that it was mm. sort of, it was kind of happening right then and there. And I was really, it like knocked the wind out of me. Um, but it helps me to kind of like externalize it and be able to look at it and then decide how I'm going to dispatch it or coax it to engage with it so that I can get it to like move on so I can get on with whatever it is I want to make or express. Yeah. Mm. So vampires. Yeah. I mean, they do, they do, they, they, they try to rule us. I, I hate to admit this, but several years ago, maybe eight, I was getting ready to teach a class at the University of Southern California. Yeah. And I excused myself from the lunch because the person who had invited me to speak, she was telling me about all these wonderful people who were going to be in the room to watch me. Some of them were authors mm. who I really admired. And I, I literally, I said, Mm-mm. excuse me, I'm going to go use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And I went to the bathroom and I called Chad and I said, <laughs> I'm going to get in a taxi and leave. This was before mm. Uber. And I'm like, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. I can't were do this. Were you that rattled for real? I was so rattled. I, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm not Number qualified. One, here's, a, here's a pro tip, literally a professional tip. Don't tell people who is in the audience, even if you're <laughs> so enthusiastic and so well-meaning, it will it can really monkey with your mind if you're the person who then has to get up and yeah no like if you're the person who is up next jennifer johnson like that is not cool to have because (laughs) then you're (laughs) i was just thinking about this the other day that feeling of like uh, the first time when i was uh my first uh professional job 
uh, I was doing this show and I'd never have this had this happen before because I hadn't worked professionally and um, Bobby McFerrin was in the audience. And right. all I could think about was, was what does Bobby, Bobby think McFerrin. of this? What does Bobby <laughs> think of that? When I do this, what does Bobby think? Does Bobby notice this? And I, it, I completely, I couldn't tell you that I was not focused on the show I was supposed to be giving. All I was worried about was Bobby McFerrin in the audience. So you had a bunch of Bobby McFerrins in the audience and you were ready to bolt. I was ready to bolt. And Chad said to me, Jennifer, you can do this. You can do this. And you know, he talked. He's a good Chad. And the thing, remember that? And that's the truth. You you can do it. it. But in those moments, and in those moments, you're you're done. That's it. That's the end of the line. It's daunting. I'm so, you know what? I I have to say that it is, um, I feel like it's heartening to hear that I am not the only lunatic who. Still, I mean, I am Isn't so old. Yeah. I am fifty, and I, I was like, I'm, I'm sneaking wow. up on fifty. Yeah, that's really old. And I was like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm older than I've ever been, and I still, right. from time to time, will be like, oh, here's the vampire of despair. Like it's, right. it's a. I, you think you get at a certain age, like you're you have figured it. all out, and you're past it, but clearly, I'm not. And it's, it's heartening to hear that I'm not the only one. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's why we're doing this, right? That's why we even have these podcasts is because there's so many people out there. And, you know, literally one of my questions is, Susan, you are such a pro. You come across as the most confident, perfectly poised at home on stage speaker. You're in your comfort zone. You're amazing. Like, is this true? I want to peek behind You don't the have scenes. imposter syndrome. No. Like, and like, you know, like, do you ever experience self-doubt? Like that's literally oh one of my questions. Oh my goodness. Because there's no way in my mind that you've ever experienced self-doubt because you're so I exceptional. I have experienced career ending, debilitating stage fright. It, I have, I have like, this is something I have worked so hard on and it's delightful for me to hear that you have this uh, perception and there, <laughs> I, I definitely have made progress. I definitely have done so much hard work to get to the place where it, there is some, not just the appearance of ease, but there is actual ease. Um, but it's been a, it's been a, Here's another word I don't always love. It's been a journey. Um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a uh, an enormous amount of hard work, a lot mm-hmm. of hard work, and part of it comes, honestly, one of the reasons why I love teaching the workshop. Like, here's here's a little sampling of some of the workshops that I've developed and co-developed. So there's the Die Vampire Die workshop. There is um, what we call the Now Hear This workshop, which is communication with an emphasis on listening. Bionic uh, listening, right? Bionic uh. listening. With my friend Tom Schulteis, we developed um, Let Me Try That Again, which is a workshop to process failure or perceived failure. Mm. Um, the, all of these things, with with my podcasting partner, Laura Camion, we developed the Spark File Creativity Workshop. And with all of them, they are subject matter that I have wrestled with, like really struggled with and kind of come out on the other side enough to say, hey, here's something that might make y'all's life easier. easier. I'm so interested in like helping people like just life is so challenging. Can we just make it a little easier? And all of those things rise out of something that was such 
such a challenge or such an impediment and required real hard work. And yeah, but, but here we are. So it's sweet. I think it's so awesome that you have that perception. I'm, (laughs) I'm glad my hard work is paying off. I have to say, so many people say to me, oh, you look so perfect on stage. You must be so confident. And I'm always stunned. I'm like, really? I think that about you. I actually think, I think you're such a gifted, um, I feel like you're, you have such ease with people in front of people. You're such ease as a speaker. And I think I can, I'm not inside your head, but whatever perception you have of me, I think I have the same perception of you. That's so beautiful. And like, like you're like a bottom, like an endless badass. Like you take no shit and you are just have this sort of like confidence, like real rooted, grounded confidence that I'm like over here with my knees knocking and I'm just like, oh, that is crazy. Susan, you're so amazing. That makes me (laughs) like, I'm just going to write that down and I'm going to put it above my desk and say, Susan Blackwell thinks you're amazing. Oh my God. I really do. I really, really do. (laughs) Next time you're scared in a bathroom, you give me a call call because I will, I will pep talk you so hard. And I, and from a place of like real authentic honesty, I really, that is my perception of you. Don't we need that? Don't we need those people in our lives who remind us that, Hey, yeah, you can do this. You are doing it. Yes. 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 That's the thing that Chad always says to me. He doesn't just say you can do this. He say you are doing this. Chad, you're the best Chad. It's so true. I don't know about that. I do. I do. You feel bashful over there. I just picture you just digging one toe into the sand. Oh, (laughs) come on. Shucks, guys. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's my mild Midwestern upbringing. There you go. There you go. Well, taking risks is so critical, you know, and we do it every single day. And I don't even think we realize we're doing it, you know? Um, Talk about how people can understand the difference between pushing yourself too far past that threshold of your comfort zone and dipping your toe in the sand, if you will. Yeah. I, in a, I in a way that's good. Yeah. yeah. I am a big, big fan. As somebody who has struggled, I have, <laughs> Carrie struggled. Like I am a big fan of um, sort of healthy, constructive risk-taking. And first of all, just to back up, the way that I have come to identify risk for myself, and it's different, people have different um, nervous systems, so it's going to uh, show up for them in different ways. For me, I know that I am approaching a good, healthy, constructive, creative risk. When I think about making something, or I'm writing something, or I'm talking something into existence, and I get a visceral feeling in my body. Mm. So it could mean my heart starts to beat faster. It could mean I'm just sitting there typing, and then all of a sudden, the temperature in the room hasn't changed, but a bead of sweat will drip down my side. And it's not a hot flash? Are you sure about that? And it's not a hot flash. (laughs) Or, Or you're talking about something, and all of a sudden, the hair on the back of your arm or your neck will stand on end, or you're sharing something, uh, a potential something, creative something with someone, and it'll make you, like all of a sudden, you'll just start laughing. When when those visceral signs start to appear, I'm like, when I'm exploring something creative I could make or something I could express, Mm -hmm. that's a sign to me that risk is, potential risk is afoot. For different people, for other people, it'll show up different ways. For instance, you're 
your thought patterns may be behaving in a certain way and then all of a sudden they shift. Like maybe your thoughts were very like, if you could represent thoughts with just like a flat line and then all of a sudden the line starts to get sort of jumpy and jiggity and jaggedy. Mm. Um, Sometimes it will show up in, you'll feel something emotionally. Like you'll, you'll get Mm -hmm. an emotional feeling and sometimes it, I get a, giddy. I get you get giddy. giddy. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's exactly what I'm talking about. So you could call giddy. That could be an emotional feeling, giddy, or it could be that your your breath quickens and mm-hmm. your heart starts racing a little faster, and it feels like you have um, fizzy lifting drinks that are bubbling up inside of you. You know what I mean? That would be the way you would describe it viscerally. Yeah. Um, and for some people, it shows up in behaviors. So if you have, if you're writing something you're writing, hands on the keyboard, and all of a sudden something like shit's getting real and something starts to come up that there's risk associated with it. You may have the desire to push away from the desk, go drink a beer, go pack a bowl, go do some shoplifting. Like there, there are <laughs> seriously shoplifting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eat a box of Entenmann's. Something else you want to tell us? Right. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my storied criminal past. But so it can show up, risk can show up in different ways. And then in terms of, I, I just always feel like assessing if it's something that you're writing, for instance, and it feels like, oh, I couldn't possibly tell this story about my mother. Mm. Like you have to assess what is the return on investment if you tell mm-hmm. that story? What do you stand to lose if you tell that story? And then use your intuition about does it does the thought of telling that story make you like does it fill your lungs and sort of make you feel bigger and more expansive does the thought of it uh the the final outcome the potential knock-on effect of that make you sort of contract like it's using that intuition do you would it be of harm to yourself or to somebody else Mm -hmm. um but that's that's a really that's a tricky one and nobody can know for sure except the maker the creator the person who wants to be self-expressed but i think sometimes our brains play a trick on us and they try to convince us that if you tell that story you're gonna burst into flames or somebody's gonna die and really i think that's um that's vampire talk uh, and some a lot of the, of the time. Some of those stories are really painful to revisit. Yeah, sure. And I think that's part of it too. For for me, you know, I'm personally writing my memoir right now. Ugh, so and proud of you. <laughs> I, and, and I cannot wait to read it. Mm. I feel like well, you have an amazing story to tell. Well, thank you. We'll mm. see what happens. It's still being told. You no know, pressure. For yeah, right. So for me, <laughs> but I really and, do. I really do think you have a rem- you've lived a remarkable life, and I just think your skill as a writer and your remarkable life. I just feel like it's all going to coalesce into something super special. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You were saying, mm, well, I appreciate that. I do. I really do. And for for me, I mean, when I start writing things about my life or writing about my mom or my dad or you know my my siblings, I play this trick on myself where I say I'm just going to write it. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything with it. There's no, yeah. there's no pressure. Yeah. There, you know, no one has to see it. But I'm l- right. at least going to take this step, yeah. and I'm going to write it. And I do know you're totally right, Susan. And I hadn't thought of it before, but 
when I go back and read it, I know immediately on a very gut level, if that's a story that's going to be told, yeah. if, it's, if it's worthy of getting out into the world, or if it's one being left alone. You, yeah. you just know. But you got to yeah. take the step to just do it, cause, or else you'll never find out, right? I love that. I think that's solid advice to, to just get it down. And it, it could, I always say when I'm teaching writing, I'm like, we can always burn the pages later. Like totally. nobody ever has to see it, but how about just letting it eke on out down mm -hmm. your arm into the pen, flow it onto the page. And then you can go back when the pie has cooled to mix all mm. my metaphors, you can go back and assess whether that's a story that's just for you or if that's a story for um, more than you. I love, I think that's such a, that's, that's solid. Yeah. See, I have more of a scorched earth policy. <laughs> well, it's you put, put all your pain out on the page and you know if it if it you know leaves hangs some people out to dry then they shouldn't have been such shits to you i think that's that is i think Anne lamott would share Anne lamott has right. a lot to say about this and i think she would agree with you like if people didn't want to be uh written poorly about they should have behaved better that's right that's, that's right a, you know with all of this stuff you we all get to make, we all get to select which of these rules we want to be governed by. And so Chad, you scorch that earth and we'll do us. And, uh, you know, I, I Note say, to self, be nice to Chad, <laughs> be nice to Chad, <laughs> Chad's tell all that's going to be right. a barn burner. <laughs> um, but as a, I, I sometimes, um, share that Anne Lamott, Levi, uh, pardon me. I sometimes share that Anne Lamott advice with, uh, students, which is, just try, try writing like your parents are dead. Just try mm -hmm. it. Nobody ever has <laughs> yeah, to see the pages. That's right. But just give it a spin because that opens up so much. If you grew up in a household that it's like, oh, we don't talk about sex. Mm -hmm. And oh, we don't talk about, you know, that thing that happened with uh, Uncle Lenny. And, mm -hmm. oh, you know, like, what <laughs> if we do? What if we do talk about those things? And you can decide afterwards. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. It's always the Lennies too. Right. It's always the Lennies. Always Uncle Lenny. Yeah. Creepy Uncle Lenny. I'm going to, I'm going to change the topic just, just a little. I read on Wikipedia that in oh, 1999, Lord. you performed off, off Broadway in a variety act called the new wonder twins <laughs> where you would, and I quote, make deviled eggs in your mouth. Yeah. Um, pray tell, how does one do such a thing? Okay. First, I just want to say, that somebody sent me a uh, or is it even true <laughs> it's first of all you can't i didn't realize until like in the last few years you can't believe everything you read on wikipedia mm, well i can change but, it if you want <laughs> but this is actually true and um the person who directed those shows that we were doing as the new wonder twins this guy named gary schwartz hey gary who's an awesome uh theater director sent me just in the last two weeks sent me something off social media that there had been, you know how there are those dumb challenges that bounce around the internet, like the cinnamon challenge. Can you eat a teaspoon of cinnamon no. without dying? No. Of the devil eggs in your mouth Deviled challenge? <laughs> it's eating out of people's mouths. Oh. oh and I was like, oh, I was just wanted to, I was smoking an imaginary cigarette and I was like, darling, I was doing that 25 years ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, my, my, I had a two hand, what I'll call like an avant-garde comedy routine with this amazing, amazing performer named Rebecca Finnegan. Rebecca Finnegan is now uh, a very lauded uh, actor in Chicago, but we would do this alt, weird, avant-garde 
comedy in lower Manhattan. And uh, one of the things that we did, actually one of the first pieces that we ever made up was set to this very like zingy cocktail music. And it- I love it already. There was no spoken word. It was all just, it was all just physical movement. It looked like a really highly choreographed magic act where we would just be like, pa, <laughs> like just like these these hits and moves and stuff. And we would essentially hypnotize each other, lower the other person into a chair, tip their head back, and then make foods in each other's mouths and then <laughs> eat the food out of that person's mouth and then bring them back from hypnosis and get up and like sort of like pop up like Siegfried and Roy and like take a bow and take a bow oh and then the God. other person would get hypnotized. So I think we made uh, we made and ate cereal with milk out of each other's mouths. <laughs> oh we made God. and ate uh, a, a banana Sunday out of each other's mouths. And the piece de resistance, like the final act was we made deviled eggs in our mouths. Like you, so you have a boiled egg cut in half. We would pop the yolk into our mouths, put the mustard in, put the oh mayonnaise in, mix it up, <laughs> put it back into the white half of the egg, put a little paprika on it. it, hand, and we would exchange them. We would hand them to each other. And just as the lights were going down, we would lower that deviled egg into our mouths. That's kind of brilliant. And just like it, I've never, I don't think I've ever done anything before or since that garnered, the, that was the most outrageous audience reaction I have ever received for anything I've ever done. People would go crazy. Of course so they how, did. How is this not a subgenre on YouTube now? Right? Right? Maybe I it feel is. like maybe well, better I better mean, look I into this. Search for it, so maybe it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you know, I'll always, <laughs> we'll always have that memory. We'll always have that. Yeah. I, I, I wish... think you really missed your fortune right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were really there's still like, time. In all, in all seriousness, we were really um, influenced by Blue Man Group. I was dating and then married. My first husband was a blue man. And really? I didn't know this. Okay, <laughs> One of the original ones. <laughs> this is awesome. He actually, he's, he, he came on to start their, I met him when he opened their show in Boston. And I was around that blue man, uh, that community so much. And I saw that show so many times that I, I could have like gone in and performed it. And to be around that that type of creativity, uh, I think it was very influential, and you could really see that in that lunatic piece. Mm. That yeah, that was it, that was. <laughs> I think <laughs> we were young and impressionable. Yeah, there was a review that said it was the most loathsome. I forget how it was worded. I yeah. should have written it down. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but now yeah. I know where he was coming from. <laughs> yeah. But in that same review, uh, I, I think the poll- I think it was it, good it nature, it was like, though. It was like, it was fairly good nature, but it said it was a tour de force of mayonnaise and so, it was something like that. And we and we were like, <laughs> oh, we'll just take that part for the poll quote. So we there would be go. like, tour de force, says the village voice. Like we just totally. were totally, and I was like, thanks, village voice. I don't care what you have to say about the rest of it, but I'll take that. I love it. Oh, Susan Blackwell, what is your superpower? You know, I think I have a couple. I think I have a couple superpowers. Whoa. If I'm so bold. Yeah, I please do. do. Please do. You're, you're um, 
Welcome uh, to have at least three. Uh, flight, mm-hmm. invisibility. Yeah. No, um, I think for real, my superpowers are building rapid trust. I think mm. I can go into not, uh, it's not infallible, but I can go into a lot of different kinds of rooms with a lot of different kinds of people and build trust really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am a pretty good communicator, both uh, on the sending side and on the receiving side, though I feel like I could always improve. I'm always working to improve that. And I think I can, this sounds so strange and I guess it, but I I think this might be true. I think I can sort of influence the energy of a room or a set or a rehearsal uh, for the power, for the trend it towards the powers of good. I think I can calm people down and I think I can um, just, uh, I also make a conscious effort to make any room that I'm in uh, better for my having been there. Mm, that's I'll awesome. give you those. those I, I think those are my superpowers. I'll take them. I, I agree. I think that's absolutely true. I've seen you on stage and I, I know that's true. Have you? Well, yeah. There's been a couple different videos. I didn't see them this last time when I was looking you up for preparing for this interview. But yes, I've absolutely seen you on a couple stages. And I'm oh, interesting. I just, I just love watching you work a crowd. And I think we, that- we always Google the names of, of people that Nathan's dating. Oh, that's right. When you guys were dating, we were, you know, vetting you to make sure you were okay. I bet you were because you love him and you wanted to make sure like that I was uh, sane or at least yeah. interesting. Or like, is this person going to, you know, pass muster? Let's see. And you Were did. you just horrified? Were you like, what? We were delighted. We were, were like, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still withholding judgment. Really, oh, <laughs> Chad? I feel like liar. that is just your that is just your resting state. That's right. Just withholding judgment. Just oh, quietly. I don't know. I'm very judgy. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> quietly and not so quietly judging. I'm so, just kidding. I think you're the best, Chad. He's the best, Chad. I, agree. I have I have a final question, Chad. Do you have a final question? Should um, we fight over who gets to ask the last question? The last question. Well, the final question. Yeah. Which this doesn't have to be the last question. You can ask a question and then I can ask a question. Okay, I'll but ask a question. who gets to ask the last question? What if I get to ask the last question? <laughs> Ooh, now there's Ooh, a new question. Let's, that's, give that's it, a let's keep up. it spicy. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. What are you most proud of? Mm, good question. Uh, do you mean professionally or do you mean personally? I don't know. I'm reading off this piece of paper. Wow, so. really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about professionally? You go professionally, yeah. Mm. Unless there's something personally that you're more proud of, at which point. Yeah, yeah. I, I could give you both. I'm going to give you both. POTUS. Oh. oh. Two for buy our one, dog, get one for... Our dog, POTUS, let me be clear about that. Um, we have a beautiful dog named POTUS, and he is wonderful. But I'm, I'm proud going of POTUS. To, I am too. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I'm endlessly proud of POTUS. Um, personally... I am proud of, uh, honestly, I'm going to say my relationship with Nathan and what it took me to get there. So, you know, I was married before and I had a totally amicable uh, split from that relationship. But no matter how you slice or dice it, 
ending a marriage is really, really hard. And I'm proud of the work that I did sort of to pick myself back up after that and dust myself off and do that trudge over Divorce Mountain. And I feel like the reward for all that hard work was Mm. getting to be with Nathan and getting to grow this relationship with him. So I'm proud of that relationship. And I'm going to interject. I'm going to interject. You you have such a beautifully creative, collaborative relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that makes your relationship so strong is you support each other, but you also allow each other to go into those creative spaces. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I've learned so much from him and I'm so inspired by his creativity and just the breadth of his knowledge about, about creative things, creative adjacent things, and then just stuff. I'm like, I love the way he communicates. I'm endlessly inspired by the way he communicates. And, um, yeah, I would agree with that. And I'm always trying to trick him into doing, I'm always like, what if we, I'm always trying to get him to do stuff. And he's like, easy, cheesy, because you know, he has things that he wants to make too. So yeah, right. but I, that is that is something that I'm personally proud of. And then professionally, um, I'm super proud of the original work that I've made in my life, whether that is that piece we were just talking about, Mouth Magic with Rebecca Finnegan, the pieces <laughs> I've made with uh, my collaborators, um, like Title of Show and Now Hear This. And I'm really super proud of this thing that I'm making now, which we spoke about, we referred to, which is this podcast called The Spark File that I make mm. with Laura Camion that is all about creative creativity and creative inspiration. And I have to say, we have worked really hard on it with the help of some fine people like the aforementioned Chad, who has helped uh, teach me how to process the sound so it can sound as rich and luxurious as I want it to. And But with the help and the inputs for some, some, for, from some really great people, Laura Camion and I have really worked hard on creating something that is a, at the center of the heart of the nucleus of the things that we're passionate about. And I have to say, I'm crazy proud of it. Nice. Yeah. 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 And for our listeners, you definitely got to check it out. It's there. First of all, you have such amazing guests and there's so many great tidbits on creativity and pushing forward through those vampires and through doubt. It really feels like the culmination of, I mean, hopefully I won't get hit by a bus tomorrow, but it does feel like at this chapter of my life, at this season, it feels like the culmination of my life's work. Drawing upon all those, I mean, if you are in this business long enough, you really like your friends become wildly famous and successful. So like getting to talk with them on mic and and all the, we've been, we've made a lot of, uh, Camion and I have made a lot of creative stuff together, interesting creative stuff. She was the original producer of Title of Show, and then she she produced it all the way to Broadway. Mm. It, it, so we've done a lot of interesting creative stuff together, and to be able to talk about that stuff and share the things that are like lighting us up creatively is it's a real joy. I really I really like it. Yeah, it's like everything you've been doing yeah, has been leading up to this moment. It feels like that. It feels like that by design, I think. But it's um, if you're interested in creative stuff or you just like interviews with really fascinating makers, it is a good time. The Spark File, wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And, yeah. and you know, actually, coincidentally, my final question, 
The Spark File podcast theme music transports yeah. me personally back to high school. <gasps> It's bleacher stomping fun. And I gotta know who wrote it, who's singing it. It's so good. Oh my God. What a nice compliment. Yeah. So the Spark File uh, podcast theme song, I wrote it. And, Yay. It's and, really good, Susan. Oh, I love thanks. It. I wanted to, I like writing um, theme songs. And I was, before we got started, before we we lit this podcast up, I was telling Chad, I just, I'm ready to pitch you all sorts of alternate theme songs if you need them. But I do like writing a theme song. And I, I like um, both with this, uh, with the Spark File and with Side by Side by Susan Blackwell. I basically just tell you the rules of engagement for about, for what you're about to take in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it, and but I don't I don't know how to notate music, so I worked with um, musicians to help me figure out how to notate it. And then we were doing live podcast recording in front of this group of awesome, awesome students at the Performing Arts Project, and we taught them all the song. And I wanted it to be just like just like booty bouncing and totally stomping totally yeah so that when we perform when we podcast live and we perform live the audience can completely sing along and clap along and stamp along with it nice and so we recorded it with this like very enthusiastic audience and um had a had an amazing then student named lila garagna and, and she didn't know she was about to be called up to sing it mm. she had learned it along with the rest of the students in this audience and we had heard her singing the day before in the hallways and we were like, who is that? And right? what is that voice? Wow. And we brought her up. And so what you are hearing in that recording is somebody who has just learned that song. She is shaking. She is taking a creative risk. She is feeling wow. it viscerally in her body, but she's so good that it lifts the roof off the place. I just, so good. I appreciate that you appreciate it. I really love it too. Yeah. And then the closing is get Broadway's Gavin Creel and another student named Sophie Hearn, who also just jumped into the fray and threw it down. And I have to say, it's sort of like this one revs you up and then this one is your kiss goodnight. And I, I, <laughs> I love them cool. too. And, and every time I edit an episode, I'm like, oh yeah, I love them. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. It is my joy. Do I get to ask the last question? Oh, yeah, you do. Yes. Okay, great. Chad, Jennifer, what's your favorite thing about me? Just kidding. Just kidding. Nobody has to answer. Your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Chad, I guess it's on. I want to answer it. Wait, Chad, what's your favorite thing about Susan? Her amazing cheekbones, obviously. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, those oh, are great, too. Chad. <laughs> Aw. Susan, you're so warm, and you always make people feel so welcome, but really heard. You have this way about you where people feel heard and safe. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're such a great facilitator and moderator and speaker, is the whole room feels like you're talking to just me. <sighs> This is so nice. I'm going to be on your podcast. Yeah, anytime every you need a, day. an ego boost. <laughs> Shit. And, and I mean that sincerely. Thank yeah. you. I'll take it. God, I aspire that's... to be like Susan Blackwell. Uh, this is true. This is true. Likewise. Likewise. It is a mutual admiration society. Aww, I yay. do. I feel, the, I feel the same way about you, not me. Well, 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 thank you. Thank you. And listeners. You can learn more about Susan Blackwell at Susan, S-U-S-A-N, 
Blackwell, B-L-A-C-K-W-E-L-L dot com, where you can join her mailing list, follow her on social, binge watch her awesome side-by-side with Susan Blackwell videos, and watch Daniel Radcliffe touch Susan's underpants. And last but not least, listen to her podcast, The Spark File, with Susan Blackwell and Laura Camion. This has been another episode of The Premise. Be sure to follow us at thepremisepod.com, subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, thanks for listening. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. You two are the best of all the people ever. (laughs) Are you an author with a story to tell? but you're just not sure how to get that story out? Guess what? You don't have to do it alone. Marnie Friedman is an incredible writing coach. She offers personalized support and expertise to guide you from a kernel of an idea to completion. Visit MarniFriedman.com to learn more. That's M-A-R-N-I-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N.com. This episode is brought to you by Monkey See Media, a small boutique design firm offering award-winning websites, book cover designs, book trailers, and photography services. And full disclosure, we love what we do. Chad and I founded Monkey See Media in 2004, and we're still going strong. Visit monkeyseemedia.com. That's M-O-N-K-E-Y, the letter C, media.com to see how we can help you promote your book, Build a powerful online presence. Mm-hmm. What else you got, Chad? Uh, let's see. We've got the San Diego Writer Festival. San Diego Writers Festival. There That's- are many writers. <laughs> and they're a proud sponsor of our Premise Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be awesome. This year's keynote is Scott Gimple. He's the head writer of The Walking Dead. And the festival is free. It's open to the public. There's going to be educational panels and workshops, famous authors up-and-coming authors, kids and teen programming, and live theater performances. Oh, and there's music. Oh, and there's food. Oh, but wait, there's more. You also get a copy of our home game. Oh, you're silly. But wait, there is more. There will be literary agents taking pitches from authors looking to get their books published. The festival is about building community and celebrating storytelling of all kinds. It's happening April 4th, 2020 at the Coronado Public Library. 